Except not really. Virtual pinky touch. Oh, yeah, there's. There we go. Hey there. Ready for a rootin' tootin' episode? Oh, boy. Am I ever. Good. Me too. <laughs> hello via, via FaceTime, Tim. Hello. And hello, everyone listening via another across time and space device, whatever one you may be listening to. Welcome to episode 80. Seven of Dismembering Horror, the podcast. Are you sure? I thought last episode was 87. Um, (laughs) I might have said it wrong. Oh, that'd be funny. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well, this is episode 87. Last episode was 86. Mm. Last episode Mm. was Circle. This episode is... 2,000 Maniacs. Oh. And I say that with an exclamation point mm. because it has an exclamation point in the title. It's official. 2,000 <laughs> Maniacs. <laughs> oh, my God. And to finish saying what it's this- so official. To finish saying what, uh, what this is, it's a podcast show. Yes, episode 87. This podcast show where myself, Ryan McDuffie, and- Myself, Tim Aslan. We dismember a horror film- Every week we talk about what worked for us, what did not work for us, and anything Timothy and I found interesting or noteworthy about a horror film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's we're, that's all true. We're trying to we're trying to see everything we haven't seen. Um see see swaths and areas of previously undiscovered, uncharted terrain for ourselves. And I was so happy to see that today's film was uh like a hard not a hard right turn just just a just like a whole a whole town of of subgenre to explore and revel in right which, which is the Ooh, boy um, i guess uh what would you call it um american re- redneck horror there that's what it is uh yeah 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 that's a thing my friend so this film actually was a recommend not dead chin, but a submission that we got from my friend Nick, who uh, wrote his he wrote his master's thesis on, <laughs> uh, it, on. Well, let's see. The title of it was "Poor White Trash Contextualizing an American Movie Monster." Wow! Um, and he says that redneck horror is the best American horror subgenre. Um, <laughs> and just that this movie is does he favorite. talk about Wrong Turn? I haven't read it. He said it's probably, you know, he wrote it 10 years ago, um, but maybe garbage. Um, Wants to update it, though. Yeah. But, yeah, no, he said that this uh, 2000 Maniacs was his favorite and kind of like the masterpiece, he thought, out of Herschel Gordon-Lewis's films. um, Wow. Redneck horror films. Cool. Yeah. Um, I will say, you know, I think I respond to to quote unquote redneck horror quite 
viscerally because I had the, I guess, pleasure of being, <laughs> of being born in Southern Indiana. And like, you know, I, my, my dad is a, you know, he's a scientist and a professor, right? So like I had sort of an insulation in the family from that stuff, but I've lived in places that like next door is this, this, uh, demographic, if you will. And so, you know, it's been an interesting experience, I guess, to live around people that I fundamentally disagree with <laughs> on like on when you get into the sort of the negative side of that subculture. Um, but also had lots of friends who I think you could consider quote unquote white trash or rednecks or whatever. And they're lovely people. You know what I mean? Like, so there's this interesting, I don't know, experience, I guess. And like, uh, uh, I don't know what the word would be, but, um, relationship that I've had with that subgenre of, of people. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I can't really get behind a lot of the, uh, the stereotypes are, quite uh evoke evoking is that a word <laughs> evocative evocative there you go <laughs> especially yeah. in movies like this it's like fuck so when you see all the faces of the extras in this movie you're kind of like yeah i i recognize oh. them oh yeah definitely yeah <laughs> yeah that parade now i'm look i'm not i'm not equating where i like i grew up mostly in rochester and my town is, was very suburbia, sort of whatever. But, like, I definitely worked with the people who lived out in the more rural areas. And they are those townspeople. Like, that, like I worked for a guy who was just... A, he was a cartoon of, like, racism. <laughs> Jeez. You know? And he would say things like... Oh God! Things that I'm not gonna say, like he, like just crazy racist stuff, because he was in a room with two other white dudes, that he just assumed, whatever. Like that's just how you talk about the world. Yeah, and like unprovoked. It's not like he would be like, "I have a gripe" or something. He would just. That's just how he viewed the world. You just offer up racism. Yep. Oh, and he called me college boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, well, college boy, should we move on to our trailer? Sure. All right, let's move on. So known as the godfather of gore, Herschel Gordon Lewis. Here is his seminal film of the splatter genre, which he helped create. <laughs> 2000 Maniacs. Sorry, 2000 Maniacs. <laughs> there you go. You're all invited to a centennial celebration. What they were celebrating wasn't important, and it sounded like a heap of fun until 2,000 maniacs crazed for carnage started bathing an entire town in pulsing human blood. You'll see six young strangers doomed to slaughter by an ancient curse. There came an awful sound. And from his lips there came an awful sound. Brutal, evil, ghastly beyond belief. 
you'll see the most diabolical device ever contrived, designed solely for assassination by a town of madmen, insane with bloodlust. Wow, Madness Incarnate by the makers of Blood Feast. <laughs> I can't think of a better way Yee-ha. to get me to, to, to want to see a movie. <laughs> oh, wow. Yep. Madness they're... Incarnate. They're pretty self-aware of the film they are making. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, it yeah. Shows. Um, great. Well, first we have up um, after the trailer... I shouldn't say first, but after the trailer, we move on to the rating per our rating system. Tim, would you tell yourself to avoid it, stream it, rent it, or buy it, or have it on at a party you're never going to throw? <laughs> um, I would rent this. Um, I think it's rent worthy for a bunch of reasons. Like, I don't necessarily like think it's good. But that's sort of a weird way of looking at it anyway. Like, what does that mean? But, like, it's fun. It's absurd and and over the top. But in a very, I think, I don't know, cool way. And um, it was definitely horrific to me. Yeah. You know, like, it's it is a particular type of insanity that that really is just scary to me in the world the idea of you know the the sort of the group think mania that that really is scary and when it's an ideological sort of thing that you know you cannot penetrate like there's no reasoning with this town they're yeah. set in in what they believe, and when that's they're, very scary to me. When their when their aims are so utterly sadistic, right. that just makes it. Oh, it just makes it so beautifully horrifying. I don't yeah. know. I, I I really loved love it for what it is. Well, I think there's a very particular element of the because you see it in other movies with with um you know, the quote-unquote psychos, uh, not, I don't mean the movie psycho, but the psychopath sort of maniac character who is taking a lot of pleasure in hanging this stuff over you. It's like you say, you say, hey, what's the deal? And they they immediately twist what you where you're coming from and put on this sort of, uh, manipulative face to it and right. you know uh, often with a smile and often with a sort of like you know you're offending me is a lot of the time the like don't be rude and it's well, like it's, dude uh, it's all the, you're fucking crazy it's don't, all the oh you don't no you don't even worry about that don't yes. even look that way it's uh, all for a celebration you don't question haha well you'll find out tonight yeah it's all the, celebration Come on, you don't want to be a part of the celebration. Right. Yeah. That that's really scary to me. And I think part part of that is that like you know, I just happen to be the type of person who is a little bit uh guarded in new social situations. So like 
you know, if I if I'm out with like friends or whatever and you know, for example, I I play in a band and, you know, we'll go we'll have a show and then after the show, you'll be sort of milling about and you'll be in a group of people that mostly you know, but there's definitely people there that you don't know, right? Like people who saw the show who want to come up and engage. And I I don't love that situation. I don't like it when the person who's kind of lacking some basic social, like, uh, what do you call that? This the the just the sort of general social, like, interaction norms, like people who talk, who like close talkers, or who invade your space, or who enter into a conversation without any sort of real like invitation they just sort of insert themselves or people who like touch you that don't know you like pat you on that like if somebody comes up to me and just starts like patting me on the back or like good job i'm like i i don't know you like i don't want to be grabbed or touched or whatever until i get to know you and then you let them in this is all of that stuff to me like these people are just it's in it's super invasive and it's disregard for social norms well it's right? an utter attack on one's autonomy almost and like mm-hmm, sense mm-hmm. sense of self as a human as a person with rights as as we're all right. equals just all that because what's so sadistic and why I love this kind of horror is how they're treating these people are just no different from how they treat their farm animals kind of thing, you know? Oh, the, that's like interesting, the, yeah. The, the, the cats that the little kids strangle. It's just like, no, these are just, these people are just amusing toys to us. Right. They're just, they're just these, uh, the Yankees, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's very other, much quote hardcore, like the other and like anything the other says or thinks or whatever is just totally disregarded. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just to, to keep it going, and I totally agree with the the rent it. There's a part of me. I mean, I, it's a, it's a it's like a pretty high, heavy hat tip of a rent it too. Mm-hmm. Like I did see there's some like. 17 film Herschel Gordon Lewis Blu-ray <laughs> collection Christ. that's like limited to 2,500 copies. I'm like, you know, an, another day, another me, <laughs> I could see myself just, just buying that up just to watch it all through. But um, no, I, I just, just so I can, you know, as much as I see myself could owning it, I just got to separate that tier a bit and put it in a, a high rent it. Yeah, um, but but I say mean, just for the record, I do like love that this is this is why when I yeah when I say when I try to phrase us watching horror movies as explaining exploring new terrain for us and just sort of trying to have like gaps of horror knowledge filled almost this is just like such a huge one like just how it fits into just being like the film movement and the filmmaker to escalate gore on screen gore. Like this, yeah, yeah. This is like such a shift in in film of uh, horror films, let alone films, you know. And yeah, then it's kind of crazy to think that this was '64. Yeah, and then and then just couple that with the independent filmmaking spirit behind it yeah. all. Like, I this this film is huge, and I really, I do think it reaches that like that there's there's something special to it level without even having to having seen his other films i started watching blood feast but i i I totally see where my friend's coming from when he calls like this one the masterpiece out of them like it is just unrelenting and as um 
as infectious as the the theme song itself, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's just such a such a manic, just sadistic mm. glee behind it all. And yeah. it's smart, stupid too. Like it's it's yeah. it's it's ridiculous and you know, quote unquote stupid what you're watching, but it's it's done just in that way where like rather than what's the the film that we just watched Tourist Trap where you know it's mm-hmm. fun and ridiculous but it can be frustrating when you're kind of like right. well why don't do don't aren't you going to at least acknowledge this as a basic character yeah. you know well and they, also they do yeah, that what, in this film right what we i think we were complaining a little bit about this in circle where it's like or maybe it was maybe it was Tourist Trap where we were saying it's like people can do stuff but like there needs to be an underlying sort of reason for things. And this one has all of that. Like it actually has context. It has like motivation and reasoning. And so, you know, it's a pretty stark contrast when you go, oh, this is this is what we mean when we say something like that, where like you can point out all of the story reasons for things in this one. And they yeah. all make sense. Yeah. So that's that's, you know. Pretty pretty uh, high praise for a movie that predates almost all of the slasher films, right? If not all of them, <laughs> not not really, but you know, and for this the most is part, so distinctly splatter versus slasher, right? You right, know? exactly. <laughs> yeah, down to that that unique color of blood. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, should we keep moving on and see what yeah. we'll talk about? What did Tim and I get out of what this was? How would we? describe what the story was what's our summary it's pretty simple you have a backwoods georgia town um that is having their centennial and they uh of what we don't exactly know but it ends up being the centennial for when uh yankee troops murdered their whole town right so they coerce, I mean, they don't coerce them. They they detour people, these six tourists who are driving through um, into their town. And then they pretend to sort of, well, they don't pretend. They're celebrating their arrival as the guests of honor. Yeah. And of course, these, you know, these <laughs> six people are like, what the fuck is going on? But they kind of go along with it. They're a little bit like entranced by it at first, I think, which I yeah. thought was interesting. Well, they're all, they're very, they very much are like, well, what the hell is this? What are you to, who are you people? Like, it's a good balance. Like exactly what I was saying, where it's yeah. like, they have their incredulousness, but at the same time, they're just so utterly insistent beyond reason they just mm-hmm. kind of, as you said, get coerced. Yeah. And so then the movie basically goes on a let's just pick each of them off at a different um, event of the Centennial Festival. Yeah. Felt very so m- midsummer I fun. mean, this movie is midsummer. Yeah. It just is. Like, <laughs> it's the exact same construct and story base, like baseline story. Um. So so yeah, you know, you get you get a bunch of fun kills essentially, which is the you know like the barrel roll and the and the what's the thing called when you throw the ball at the the dunk tank? You know, like it's all these <laughs> festival things: dunk tank, barrel roll, 
Um, they all give it the, the revelry. The horse think, race. <laughs> yeah, they all give it the revelry like it's a big festival. Like, oh, have the horse race go. Oh, you know, it was a great, great one. Da, da, da. You know. Well, this they, is why they, this is why it's so freaky to me because, like, in my town where I grew up, suburbia, there very, very much was like the four. This was the, exactly like our Fourth of July celebration <laughs> without the murder. Yeah. Like exactly. I mean. It, obviously, not having the the uh, rebel flag being the flag that's waved around, right? It's the you know, the American flag, but uh, it's the ex- it's all the same shit. It's all <laughs> the same energy. Everybody's psyched. There's a parade, you know, like all the little league kids line up in the parade. That was a big deal. There's like a, uh, you know, everybody puts streamers on the f- spokes of their bikes. It's yeah. a whole nationalism, you know, let's <gasps> celebrate America thing. Um, so it was very familiar to me. Uh, you know, dunk tanks, man, dunk tanks. Just like the, the added, fair, the added of twist of cannibalism being at the heart of it is what <laughs> separates yeah. this. Their yeah, exactly. So, um, so ultimately you've got the, uh, uh, an interesting pairing of, Oh no, I don't know their names. What were their names? The the Mr. White, I think was one yeah, of them. Yeah, Mr. White was the main dude. Uh and 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 Terry Adams. Connie Mason is the the um the actress. So, yeah, so uh Yeah, yeah you Tom, have Tom White. Tom White one, and Terry Adams. So we have one surviving couple. And or, and they're interesting the because they're a they don't know each other. Um, d- uh, Terry picked Tom up as a hitchhiker. <laughs> so it's, I think that's a kind of a cool element because it adds a little bit of like, do we even trust each other in the first place? But they, they form a bond. Yeah. Yeah. We get caught up in that classic, like, uh, to a, a couple meeting under, you know, duress. duress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. But like, um, you know, when a film does that, when it's like, yeah. it's that classic, it makes it an adventure they share. Right, right. You know, this that classic, very 50s. Like, this is all, it's fun, because this is all, very, you see it rooted in that 50s, 60s, totally. like, sci-fi horror yeah. story. Yeah, It's yeah, kind yeah. of who the, the characters are and all that. So, um, yeah, they get away. That's it. That's sort of it. And then Twist, when they go to tell the police and come back to, like, expose the town. The town doesn't exist. Pleasant Valley. Right. And then we, we learn that it was a essentially a ghost town. It but doesn't it, exist, but it did exist. It did exist, and now it doesn't exist. And all of what we just witnessed was the ghosts of the town. Every hundred years, they reenact their vengeance. Or enact their vengeance, I guess. Which is so midsummer. Yep. Right? It's like it's a every long period of time this this festival happens. So always yeah. We need to talk to Ari Aster about this. Yeah. And be like, come on, dude. What? You you you, you stole this. He's admits to any I mean that isn't that <laughs> what I don't think he'd argue with anyone. I don't either. Um <laughs> I'm I well I'd love I'd love to talk to him and just be like where does this movie land for you in yeah. your you know thing I like I mean I'd also say it's just it's a generic enough story too totally. you could easily just pick this formula without even having seen it right totally but I I have a feeling he probably is a 
connoisseur. Yep. <laughs> and he probably, I bet he would be like, oh yeah, this movie's like one of my favorite movies or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so we're all speculating here. Um, but that's it. That's that's the uh, that's the adventure of of Terry and Tom. Oh, the South's gonna ride again. The lower harmonies with me, Tim. What? Can you try that lower harmonies with me? Okay, go. Oh, the South's gonna rise again. You just sound like you were just kind of screaming it. Yeah, I was. Oh, the South's gonna ride again. That's what I was. I was going for. Oh, the South's gonna ride again. It's hard to do when you're not in the same room. I know, I know. I'll remix that and uh, do a whole, a whole song. <laughs> cool. <laughs> no, I won't. <laughs> I will then. All right. All Shall right. Shall we move on? Yeah, I say. You say. We all say. What worked? What worked? What worked for you? What worked for you? It worked like a charm, Smith. I mean, we already said it up front, but just the the overall things, the the encompassing things, how utterly sadistic like the kills are, the situation is, and just a way to like further specify it is like what you were getting at was that it was just all this like this unflappable celebratory uh, uh, spirit or guys you know there there's no yeah. chance of dissuading them and, no. and then and then for me as I put it as it's just so dehumanizing it's kind of like you know the most horrifying parts of the the Texas chainsaw massacre of being put in a bag and have a broom handle stomped on you just you know because it's like because mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're you know you're just a play thing just Ugh. that that yeah. dehumanization so sadistic um yeah i really then, like i remember early on like feeling this just like i kept thinking of my the the phrase in my head was like it's just pure unadulterated insanity yeah which the first i mean i mean i figured we kind of get into it with you know going down each of the kill scenes but i'm already kind of wanting to go there because this that the first scene where it all uh you know turns up a notch finally is just it's just so good the um the knife finger yeah. slash scene because it's yeah. just you're like so on edge where it's like the the dude the, the the townsfolk dude who's kind of their like charmer character takes the woman out and you know for like a little yeah. picnic scene just takes out hey you want to touch my knife and she's like uh, <laughs> no <laughs> and he basically you know slices her a little bit. And, and then acts like out. he he acts like oh so sorry sorry that was an and accident. yeah it's like dude you just cut her and that's what's so horrifying that, I, is is ugh. that kept up where he go the escalation goes from saying oh it's okay let me just take a better look at it so then he then in doing that cuts it entirely off right her and then thumb. oh oh I'm so sorry we better get you to a doctor so then once he takes her to like where the mayor and his main cronies are who we've come to know to love and hate. Um, those two guys, what are their names? Like Lester. Rufus and Lester. Rufus and Lester. <laughs> the, the, the Iggy and Spike. Um, <laughs> yeah. They, um, 
yeah, when she when she gets taken there, it's like still that's what's so far horrifying is. Like, oh, let 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 me look at that for you. Oh, hold on, just lie here. And it's just like they're all getting cop caught up in this revelry where we know yeah. they're just gonna kill her. But it's just like they they keep saying like, oh, just just do this. It'll be all right. It'll be all right. And well, then that, they just that, lay I her think, down and axe her arm off. Yeah, that to me is actually the the core element of what makes it so terrifying is that they're playing pretend, right? They're, like, when people do that shit and they are looking you in the eye and, and like, lying to you, but you both know that it's bullshit and they keep going. That... That is one of the most infuriating and scary things to be like, yo, you need to just put down the fucking act, like put it down. We things got serious and they and when somebody doesn't, you go, oh, shit, I'm in trouble because this person's fucking nuts. Yeah. Like they're carrying on like we've all I don't know. I at least I think we've all experienced that person who's at who at the like the party, you know, the party like you go to a party and there's that guy. Who it just needs to be the he's like the fucking like the vacuum of energy where he just needs to suck everything up and like be the center of the room. And he's putting on an act. And if he ruffles some feathers and somebody like the host or whoever says, hey, man, can you chill out? He's like spurred on to go further and keep Mm -hmm. it up because he doesn't want to admit that he ruffled some feathers. So he ruffles them harder. That's a scary person to be around. Right. I can see, yeah, you, cause you're, it's like, uh, you're a good harbinger, Tim, of where is like the room at and what's appropriate for it kind of thing. Like, yeah. so like when I so, care someone goes out. That. Yeah. So, so <laughs> when someone's like the wild card and is just not going to fit with the group. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I retreat. I'm like no. I well, so but this is uh, this is about being in a whole town of two thousand of these people. That's though. what's so terrifying is that in imagine that you went to the party and everybody at the party is that guy. That's yeah. I mean that's, that's so scary. That's kind of what I loved about this formula or story, whatever you called it, where it was kind of like you know we watch some films where. And where it's like you, you, you know, about entering the small town and then sort of the midpoint twist or the twist at the end is that they're all crazy or they're all ghosts, whatever it may be. So that this was so fun from this one where it's just from the get go. The bad guy is all 2000 towns. Right. Like you don't see that very often or I guess this was based on a, a story Brigadoon. I think that where it's about like. Scotland originally or something that happened there uh, yeah I, honestly I've but heard I, of it and I don't I don't know anything about it but still it's a really, musical and I don't yeah. like musicals that much okay well still really fun to give to um yeah I don't know to give give, give credence to this story of yeah. uh having that many just upfront crazy people is great <laughs> I mean and we get it right off the bat too not just with them, how they get the people to to drive into town, but then we seen that we see the town's kids, and they're just killing cats. Yeah, that main little one, like little Billy. Who Fuck then that after kid. after his cat killing, he rushes up to the people in the car holding like a dead rat. Yeah, and then oh, and then the mayor's like, oh, you know, calm down there, Billy. You right, step away right. now, Billy. Oh, it's just little Billy, <laughs> dude. 
No. <laughs> I want to fucking just just put a noose around that kid's head and just pop it off. I thought of you, Tim, actually, when, at the end <laughs> when they're driving away with little Billy and he's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, you know? And when he picks him up and just puts him out of the car is so satisfying and funny. Yeah. Like, after all these promises to him of candy and driving the car, it's like, and you're staying here. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I was so glad he did that. I was like, hell yeah, just matter of fact. Like, I kept thinking earlier in the movie when they were dealing with him trying to get the keys or whatever, and there's this whole moment of Billy being like, well, I don't know. I want to go outside and see what's going on. Mm, should I? Shouldn't I? Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I don't know. We're going to do it. I mean, like, kill the kid. Just grab <laughs> him and throttle him and take the fucking keys. Just, yeah. he's a kid. You know, like, he killed cats. He, like, let's just fucking pound his head into the ground and be done with it. <laughs> is, this too, is this too much? Too much? I don't know. He really got, got my, uh, you know, my... What is the term? My cockles up? <laughs> Your knickers in a twist. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, shitty from, kids, you know. From the get-go of not just them getting in the town, but from the movie, Tim, just with the first frame, the first second, <laughs> that banjo music just yeah. coming straight in with the theme song <laughs> and those two yokels, uh, I Lester had my, and Rufus. I had my TV on so loud before <laughs> I started this movie. <laughs> and I turned it on because usually, you know, we watch it on like um, on the actual TV, like, a, you know, whatever. We'll we'll go through the TV. I had to plug my computer in to the TV to watch this one. And the audio is different, right? Like it's a, just the, the the range is different. So I had the audio on the computer all the way up and I had the volume on the TV up to where we usually have it, which is already loud. And holy shit. This movie started and it was just, it was, my neighbors must have been like, we've all lost it. Quarantine has taken, you know, a, Tim's apartment over. He's listening to fucking the loudest, most annoying banjo music. <laughs> it was so over the top. But yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it sets the to Yeah, immediately. You're like, okay, we're on for the ride. Like, it's the, 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 the plane's taken off. Yep. Oh my god. Just and, and and like sort of the belabored aspect of them looking back and forth like and waving to each other from tree to street, you know, mm -hmm. like Rufus and Lester doing their their little signaling to each other. It just They're went just... on and on and I was like, "Oh no. We're in for it here. <laughs> These guys are fucking nuts. They're just loving it." <laughs> yeah. So uh Nice cars, though, by the way. Yeah, I know. It was funny because this movie, it we, we you know, as you said, kept forgetting it's like 64. But there's a part of me that kept wanting to think like, oh, it's like a period piece. Like it felt always more like I was watching an 80s movie. That, but I'm <laughs> like, no, these were just contemporary cars. They were driving around still. <laughs> yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. Um the and I don't know much. I don't know how much more I can say about, but just another the other overarching thing I alluded to was yeah, just that like that indie filmmaking spirit bursting through this where it's you know it's super low budget. They're just doing it to put on a show. It was very much in line with the kind of like Russ Meyer, Larry Cohen, Roger mm -hmm. Corman, mm -hmm. like those names you know all spring to mind, and many 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 others actually. 
you know, of yeah. course, to this day. But I just love, you know, um, I guess it's not just from the, that per, that historical perspective, just the information-wise knowing how, where where this lays, but just in the filmmaking itself where there's something something special to it that lends itself to it. Like when you see all those shots, um, like when they're first arriving of the town and you see all the extras, like, you know, waving their Confederate flags and it's just some old dude, like it lends this authenticity to it that just makes the whole thing... Um, Charming feels weird to weird to say when there's you know sadism at the heart of it all, but it I mean, but right. it but but it is I don't know it's a certain allure that it. Well, that I think has that part it. of part of how they filmed it, and regardless of how intentional or just out of necessity this was, but going back and forth between sort of shots that are, you know, would fall under the category of this was a shot for a movie. Like, like this is how you shoot a movie angle and shots that are very much shot from a documentary style, sort of of the townspeople, that kind of thing. Going back and forth between that actually evokes this feeling of, oh, this is a real place because it gets into a little bit of like we're watching a documentary. Like yeah. those extras don't feel like extras. They feel like townspeople. Exactly. Yeah. And I think part of why that is, is because of using that style of documentary kind of filmmaking when you shoot the townspeople. Yes. And so I don't know, you know, if that's a just a coincidental byproduct of how they shot it or if it was an intentional attempt to to put us in that mode. But it's so effective. Because you're like, oh, shit. Look at all these fucking nuts. Like, they're real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, they're real. Real town, real townsfolk. Um, yeah, something behind it all. Maybe it's a more thing of note, but it's just that, that spirit coming through, though. Just stay at work where you know this was... Just some, I mean, whatever little Florida town that they got, but the fact that these are all the real townspeople and they mm -hmm. just got on board with helping to just make this movie and got like in the spirit mm -hmm. of it all, like there's something just, just, I don't know, adds to the authenticity of the revelry itself, you know? Love it. Yeah. 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 It, <laughs> it is the, I guess part of it is just the setting the emptiness of the town, the setting, the sort of just, there's all around. It just feels very remote. Their secularness. You feel, yeah, you just feel screwed. <laughs> yeah, and I think also for us, we're looking at an era gap, right? Like the '60s is we obviously didn't experience, so we're very disconnected from that. And you see this sort of like you realize how. Uh, disconnected they are from civilization you know even just in like the hotel that they're in and like the the phones that they have to use and like all all of the sort of the things that are preventing them from getting out of there right they can't make a call out of town yeah right like those little things are really effective because it just it feels like the even though we're outside most of the time it just feels like the walls are are closing in on them which they they effectively are, right? Like metaphorically speaking. Yeah. And, you know, that's all great. Um, just continue on the train of how great the extras were. I think it was one of my favorite things that happened a few times in the whole film 
was during these kill scenes, the the sh- the cuts to the actor or the extras just watching them. Yeah, like you didn't have you you always you, they always you know cut around sort of. I don't know. It was weird. They they show the gore without showing it some of the times. Like right. they or they they do both. They show the gore and then they also don't show it. Like whether it's like the moment this this limb right, right. you know gets cut or or torn off by a horse in this case. Um, <laughs> but it's so so a lot of the time you have these these shots of just the extras' faces just watching on, whether they're just be looking or or smiling or celebrating or just taking note for themselves. I just oh my god, I loved it so much. Well, there's there's a there's a um specific sort of uh oh god how do you describe this there's a trajectory that they depict in that they have it's pretty basic it's sort of orgasmic right you have all of this glee and excitement in the build up right where they're giddy you know, they're just it's it's full on giddiness, like everybody's smiling and laughing and running around and they're excited. And they're in each other's face and they're all like, Ooh, can't wait, can't wait, can't wait. And then the moment the thing happens, they all kind of calm down. And there's this sort of like cigarette drag post, you know, coitus vibe. And everybody's a little chill and they're all kind of nodding and like they're 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 glowing like there's a little bit of smiles, but it's not it's not over gleeful. It's sort of satisfied smiles. Yeah, and there, like after that, having a big a, meal. Exactly. That's a really effective arc to see these townspeople all experience this common sort of uh, trajectory in how they respond to this stuff. That's a really smart thing to depict. The, the probably the clearest example of what you're talking about that I noticed at least was the when they do that right after the quote unquote horse race mm-hmm. where they get they get the guy drunk and then attach uh, four horses to each of his limbs. Get he gets pulled <laughs> apart. It's so great, yeah. it's just incredible. Um, but then afterwards, like you said, they just all there's this this moment of just kind of quiet. Of yeah, almost like after a prayer, yeah. But and that, that was so good. This is one of my favorite parts. How, yeah, it was it was that going on, and then the uh, probably Lester or someone. I think one of those two. Oh, I he think says, it's the mayor. Was it the mayor? They says, "How know. about?" They say something like, "How about some music?" And yeah. then they just start right into that old like classic standard. You know, the Dixie. I yeah. wish I was in the sense of Dixie. Da, 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 yeah. da, da. Fuck. And, and they get and they're right, all singing together. Oh yeah, my they get God. right back into they get right back into the mode of it all. They get right back into their fervor. They're ready to keep the party going. Ugh, yeah, that's scary shit. And um, yeah, just I guess keep on the kills and talk about how they um, well, yeah, whatever, whatever's great about each one. Then then was the the barrel roll, <laughs> <laughs> which. <laughs> Talking about, you know, that, again, that horror of, oh, you just, uh, I didn't mean to cut your finger. You just give me your finger now and I'll act, you know, <laughs> like, and then he actually cuts it. Just that was great. And this one too, just that line was so perfect where he's like, they were for like, oh, just crawl through it. It's tradition. You know, it's like an open end, like both sides are open barrel. He's like, it's just, you know, it's just part of tradition. Just crawl through it. You don't even have to stay inside. Just come on. Just trust us. Crawl through it. And he's like, I don't know. I have a bad back or bad knee or whatever. <laughs> right. And they're right. like, oh, no, no, don't worry about that. And then as soon as he gets in, nope, they start hammering nails into it. They they hold his arms and, and feet in place so he can't move anywhere. And then 
push him down. Yep. Of, of course, as we saw coming. <laughs> a mile away. Yeah. I love, I love the... <laughs> The cutting back and forth in the barrel roll of the yeah. dummy that's yeah. inside there, as well as the actual person, like they, they they did a really good job. To be honest, like you see the dummy, and about two frames before it would be too late, and you would go, "Oh God, that dummy looks horrible." They do cut, yeah. so your your brain goes, "I know that's a dummy," and expects to see more of it. And they cut away. So yeah. it's just a fu- very fine line of sort of like, we'll give you, a, we'll, you know, we have to show this to a degree and it is a dummy and we know it's kind of schlocky or whatever. But right. they were, they cut around it in a fairly good way. <laughs> and little, little things like that, which I think elevate this to the, for what it is, masterpiece of like, I was already excited, of course, you know, in the the horror movie way for the barrel roll happening, just thinking it was going to be like they were going to put him in it and then push him down and, sure. you know, back in <laughs> however he was going to land. Um, but then as soon as they start hammering the nails into it, so it's like, oh, duh, like. <laughs> right. And then yeah. similarly with the um, the the next kill scene, I believe, was the the rock fall you right. know, in on lieu the dunk of the tank, tank yeah. type thing, yeah. In lieu, in lieu of the dunk tank hitting the throwing the baseball at the target and <laughs> um, getting the rock to fall and the woman tied up, you know, on the yeah. four four limbs style, flat open again. Um, but uh, specifically, again, there's these specific touches of this this how sadistic for the mayor to be like, okay, but now you have to say it ain't fallen yet, you know. Yeah, you know, she he's trying to force her to say as part of this tradition, like it ain't falling yet. And then that takes great enough. Then that takes on another layer when she, you know, in desperation says it hasn't fallen yet. And he's like, Oh yeah, that didn't know grammar was so important. Okay, I'll, I'll fancy talk. Right. You know? Right. It's that that's another element of this sort of classism, you know, uh don't you know, we I mean, we still see this and people try to exploit this idea and I think it's a it's a a bad uh angle to come from to to sort of take an entire group of people and be like oh well they're just all dumb you know Mm -hmm. like they don't appreciate that and so there becomes this divide of like oh you're uppity and you think you know better and oh we're just you know we're just the dumb oaky fucks or whatever and that's that divide and the conflict that's like in inherent to that divide is a really uncomfortable thing to be in. And so putting that, pushing on that in this movie, although obviously this is from a different era, but like, it's still the same shit. It's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's uncomfortable because it's almost self-defeating on their part if they are kind of joining in that, that what racism, whatever you'd call it too, that prejudice. Right, right. Like, (laughs) I don't know about you, but if I'm tied up and a guy says... You have to say it ain't. I, I'm not going to correct him. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, come on. What the hell? <laughs> like, just say ain't. Well, you... it worked. I mean, it's. I don't think she was conscious. In... Well, yeah. yeah I'm going to exactly. correct him here. <laughs> but then, like, the sort of the incredulity of on his part of like, oh, ho, 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 wow, <laughs> all right. <Ooh." laughs> yeah. You know, I, it, all of that just, it's such a specific element to this divide. 
Yeah. And it really does point out like there is this cultural divide uh, of feeling like from both sides, right? Like one side thinks the other side is the other and different uh, for bad reasons, whatever those are, and vice versa. Like they both think they both have this um, this ideology, ideological divide and resentment to the other. And I think that's a really important element to have in a story like this, because if you don't have that, it doesn't hold water, right? It just becomes what, who the fuck cares? Now well, you're just crazy for crazy's sake. It's like, it, no, there's actual yeah. like depth to this. Well, the the depth in this one too, and I think what just one of the many things that kind of kind of elevates this this film when you kind of start to. I don't know that gives you plenty to chew on or, you know, to elicit certain complicated feelings. Um, yeah. So clearly, obviously what they're doing is horrible. Obviously keeping slaves is horrible. Yet in the classic ghost story way, they are all victims of they, of a mass slaughter. Like right, their, right. their town, everyone we're seeing if they're ghosts, they were all like brutally murdered in call it a war justifies or whatever. No, mm-hmm. it like doesn't change the act of violence against them. So there is some sort of, you know, relatable human aspect of, you know, feeling like you aren't totally guiltless if you're associating with the the Yankee side, you know? Right. It's all a matter of perspective, right? Like Luke Skywalker is a poor farmer who, you know, lives in the middle of nowhere and is just trying to survive. And the evil empire is, you know, whatever. Like, they're oppressing people. Like, who's going to relate to that, right? Like, you you talk to, like, I've read articles about guys, you know, in who have gotten out of the Middle East who were indoctrinated into, like, Al-Qaeda or whatever. And they're like, man, Star Wars is, like, our movie, right? Like, we're Luke Skywalker. We're the rebels. Mm-hmm. And the U.S. is the empire. And it's like, oh, shit, right. Well, of course you would feel that way. Like, from your point of view, that's exactly, you know, a one-to-one comparison. Right. Their parents were blown up by the Imperials when they were kids. Right. So you once you can remove yourself from your own, like, narrow, indoctrinated sort of ideology and, like, step back, like, we're all responding to the the really uh, universal elements of storytelling of like fighting against fighting for and against certain ideologies. I just simplify it as at that age old and just one of my favorite themes or questions is the idea of violence begetting violence. Yeah. You know, yeah. Always well, and forever. And then on another sort of side of what we were talking about to relate it to Midsummer, this idea of, using tradition as the justification, right? Like, this is just what we do. This is our tradition, and therefore it's justified. Like, Midsummer, the whole movie is doing that. Like, the elder in, in Midsummer, the woman, you know, has a few really big conversations with people being like, hey, look, you know, like, can't you see from our side? Like, this is this is an honor. This is our tradition. This means something to us, and therefore it's okay. And it's like... Is it? <laughs> you know, it's a matter of perspective. Yeah. So. And that's a fickle thing. Therein lies the horror. Right. So, you know, I think this, I mean, that shit is, that's, this is the best type of horrific, you know, construct. It just yeah. is to me, and not, for me. And I think too, you don't really, 
I mean, this is exactly what we're, we're, we're doing here, trying to see these movies, but it feels like you don't see this done that often, just straight up. Like, it is why, you know, Texas Chainsaw is so great mm-hmm. kind of thing. I don't know. There's just, there is just something that feels, um, yes, potent, untapped, yeah. a well, good source. Well, I think it, it needs to be, it needs to be executed terrain. by somebody who, you know, can do the dance delicately. Or yeah. do the dance well in a do the delicate dance well. <laughs> That's what I mean to say. I think, yeah, it's. I think it comes down to this. I'll transition into is is you just you're just uh, just being a competent enough person or filmmaker, understanding these baseline things. You then uncover like these sort of just these moments that really really work. Like for example, um, I guess I'll start by jumping to the way end just because I thought of it first, but. So we have, you know, okay, the one character, the last one sort of chasing them down the couple at the end gets caught in quicksand and supposedly yeah. drowns. But then they call that back with, it feels like in a lesser movie, you would just be like, oh no, you're just supposed to forget about that as soon as we start asking, wait, if there's a ghost, how did he die in quicksand? But instead right. in this smarter movie, it's used as the kind of fun reveal of seeing a ghost on screen of seeing him crawl out of the quicksand, okay, unharmed. Yeah. undrowned um yeah like touches like that where you just see you get it's like stupid story execution it's all about pure exploitation that's all this is but then just when you i don't know have a a smart approach to it um it elevates it so like another one too um just that there was plenty of back and forth i already kind of mentioned it but plenty of back and forth at the when they first arrive at the parade and it's, you know, we, we have those voices we sympathize with. They're like, wait, hold on. What the hell is this? Who are you people? What, what, what celebrating what? And then, you know, then you have your friend though in the car. It's like, oh, you know, we can just rest for a couple hours, like whatever. Like they seem harmless. I don't know. Just, yeah. you, you had enough dissenting and agreeing voices in there and it took long enough. You know, it was, it was smart. Right. You felt, you felt seduced by it as well. The um, it really got me, Tim. The the double cross by the mayor, where we're with our main guy, Mister White, or whatever, thinking like we've gotten out, <laughs> ah, you know, yeah. by calling on the payphone, and he like disguised his voice to call to the hotel to his friend, and then after you're, you know, we're with him, thinking the mayor is some stupid yokel, not being able to 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 fake anything or double cross him, but then it's the twist. He was talking to the mayor on the phone the whole time instead of the <laughs> hotel concierge. So yep. good. Yeah. Well, because that town is insular to itself, right? Like, yeah, there is no town. <laughs> and then um, it is a. T- I mean, it's a. It's Twilight Zoney, right? Like it's it's its own little world that they walked into. Yeah, the um. Yeah, that horror of oh well, you can't make any calls outside of. <laughs> it's great. Um, and then the um the escape itself, just feeling just solid and thought out enough, where like okay, I'm empathizing with is like, I would be doing this too of like, okay, you got to beat off the, beat the one guy in the head who's keeping guard. You got to crawl through the window. You got to, you know, ask the kid if he knows where the car is, where are the keys? I just followed all those key steps that I was with it. At no point was I like, wait, what are they doing? Why aren't they doing this? It makes it for just a fun, engaging escape. Like when they're, where I'm really with them when they're making it out and trying to escape. Yep, very straightforward logic, smart characters making smart decisions. Like, that's important. 
And yeah, and then just that self-awareness with the script too of, uh, you know, consistent with its own inner logic that just kind of is the, the make it or break it for this kind of, yeah, logic following. But like... um Yeah, like I, it, 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 I think it's really a, a nice moment when we get to the road that they escape off of, right? Like they get there and then the the townspeople stop and they turn around and I'm like, why the fuck? wouldn't they just go after them? Like, why wouldn't they just drive after them and like run them off the road and be done with it? But they can't. We learn, you know, 10 minutes later that they they can't because that town doesn't exist. It's like, that's the barrier of this reality. And what's so smart is when all these little questions arise, when we're learning of the reality of like, wait, so they're doing this every hundred years. So wait, like, wouldn't they... Aren't they like freaking out about these cars and stuff? And and we learn they do it. They when the right. Lenny and, and Rufus, <laughs> Lester. Ta- Lester and Rufus, they're they're talking to each other. It's um, not like, of ma- mice and men here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, these these crazy newfound automobiles. Right, they're like making right. fun of the cars, and then they're going on and saying, "What do you think will be in another hundred years? Spaceships, right? You know." <laughs> Yeah, so it's good. all great. It's it's really well thought out. Yeah, yeah. Um, are we forgetting a kill here? No, had, we got yeah. axe, axe. Oh, I mean, kind of. Um, I guess a continuation though of that first axe arm, the continuation of the arm and seeing it roasted on the spigot. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that great. was great. Like, just in a <laughs> if you have a cannibalism movie where it's just like talking about pairing your Fourth of July's growing up, Tim, with just the imagery of eight arms straight up right. roasting on a spit being rotated. Yeah, makes you think a little bit about like the fact that we butcher animals and eat, and put them on a fire yeah. and eat looks, them. Looks no different. You hear stories like, oh yeah, it smelled like pig. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, anything else? Just lastly, shout out to the end credits that was in the style of at the, you know, listing each actor with the the credit at the beginning. (laughs) You have seen ellipses and then it shows the face of the actor and the character name. Yep. Just to to straight up say you have seen. Yeah, it's funny. Cool, dude. Well. Yeah. Should we should we move to things that did not work? Yeah, I uh, yeah, I guess um got no no more specifics to say. There all 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 good stuff. All good stuff therein. Performance of the mayor. He was fun. Mhm. Just like like ha- having those kind of um those like solid chinned like 50s 60s lead male actors like seeing them carry these roles that was fun (laughs) yeah yeah um yeah no yeah i'm good let's do it all right what did not work it's not ready yet seems to work okay no something important's missing (laughs) you know it's sort of one of those ones again where it's like it's not really a movie that doesn't work. Like once the premise is set and we know the world we're in. Yeah. It's like, what are you going to nitpick? Right. Cause the, like the dummy in the barrel. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Which 
arguably just makes it a better film. Like I mean, how, it, yeah. I definitely put it in a thing that worked. Yeah, yeah. So exactly. Like any uh, t- any touches of um, nope, the take's good enough. You know, it, it that adds to yeah, that only adds to the film. You know what didn't work for me? <laughs> You're gonna hate me for this. <laughs> in the opening credits the banjo player is not playing the song that we're hearing. I mean, neither of the instruments are doing that, but like it's, it seems really obvious because it's essentially a close up on his hands. And I, it's like that, that stuff just really irks me. I know I got, you think it's stupid, but no, I mean, I, this was just an example where I was especially on board with that. Cause it was also down to like plenty of scenes and shots and moments where you hear a character's line and their mouth, like literally isn't moving. Like, <laughs> It's just like, yeah, no, you know, it's yeah, you put you put oh, it in there. By the way, so I didn't I God, I don't actually know if this is I guess I'll put it in things that don't work because it was so weird. But at the and and, and tell me if this was the case with you or if this was something that was just wonky on my viewing of it. In the lead up to the barrel roll, the sound is like everybody's voice is lower, like their their the tone of their voices drops, like as if they had recorded the sound at a higher frame rate, and then but but like it matches visually. I feel like do you I remember that the sudden suddenly the mayor's hearing, voice goes yeah. from like all right everybody to like. I think I was just caught up in the fever dream of it all, Tim. <laughs> it was super weird. I was like, what just happened? And I, I thought, I, I couldn't I do... decipher, is this like, was just this just a, 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 a mess up in post that they couldn't fix? This was, this was their salvage for some mistake that happened? I definitely have there a vague like recollection it? of it. Yeah, definitely vaguely recall it. Yeah, it was very weird. And then it corrects itself about uh, i don't know two minutes later and everything's back to normal and i was like what was that but yeah no i'm curious to know yeah um I, no I yeah i don't really have anything yeah neither do I. I think there were times when i kind of started to feel like i was checking out but they didn't last very long yeah i could say it's like maybe if there was one more death in it just to mm. kind of pat it out yeah i, I would have enjoyed that but I mean, whatever. I don't know. Yeah, it's a it's brisk. It wasn't like I wasn't like oh god, right? Anytime you know, it's it, not three and a half hours like Midsummer. Anytime it and it felt like it was slowing down. You had that banjo kick in, like <laughs> even <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's supposed to be things that did not work. But just just to say why you know I don't know to slip back into what did work. Didn't mention why things that may not have worked did work. Um, even those like those those kind of the more the more the breather scenes in between of right after a kill when they had yeah, the main characters checking up with each other. <laughs> oh right. well, you know where where Billy where that we know they just are, well, talk about. Oh well, you know I called and and they didn't answer or whatever it is. Right, right. Those um the music in those two were after having this relentless banjo. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, there's more instruments than just the banjo, but it's, you know, call it banjo music. You would have this sort of like very sixties, like placid guitar, like, like, uh, yeah. Soundtrack. Kick well, in. there's, there's, you know, we, I sort of, we didn't really mention this, but the music throughout is really good for what 
it's accomplishing. You know what I mean? Like it's the it's over the top. There's a lot of sort of I think it was sort of organy feeling stuff where it's just it's just very dun 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 kind of stuff. And that's great. Like it especially with my volume turned all the way up, it was <laughs> it's effective. Well, um since for what did not work, we only had more things that worked. Should we move on <laughs> to uh things of note? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Things of note. Things of note! <laughs> this should be interesting. I got one. I think I know which one it is, but no, let's you, hear it. No, no, no. Okay. No, no. What is it? I love the fact that this was essentially a drive-in movie. That it was played mostly at drive-in theaters. That's awesome. Like, can you fucking imagine sitting in your car or like, I don't know, however you do it. You have a pickup truck and you pull in backwards or something and lay in the back of the truck and watch a drive-in movie with a bunch of other people outside. Like, that just feels so perfect for this movie. Yes, a perfect drive-in movie. Ah, I love it. Especially after that. Especially after just kind of seeing um, how the audience was, what their what their foray into it was with that trailer trailer that we watched, where it's <laughs> yeah. just like, you know, <laughs> we're warning you about what you're about to see, da da da. That yeah. kind of. It makes of. me. I really like if I don't know if I was independently wealthy, I think I would want to build and like operate a drive-in theater and like have that be a thing. Yeah. That, just seems like the most amazing thing to do. Something to do in your in your sixties. <laughs> sure, <laughs> that'd be cool. Um, so just to to get out of the way, a, a fun noteworthy thing: the film was remade in two thousand five. Oh yeah, I saw that. Two thousand one Maniacs <laughs> with Robert England as okay. the mayor. Yeah, great. Didn't see it. Well, very curious <laughs> what it is. Yeah. Um. And then yeah, and then so everything else I have was just on um on the you know we watch the streaming on Criterion Channel. They have like a handful of Herschel Gordon Lewis's films there now, and they also have which I'd be fun to watch. They have a documentary by Frank Henenlotter, you know, who made Basket Case and Frankenhooker wow. and stuff like that on Herschel Gordon Lewis. Cool. So it'd be really fun to watch that. I think I wanted to see the rest of his films first, but and they also had what I watched. I'm getting to is an interview with Herschel Gordon-Lewis from like 2009, something like that, conducted by the filmmakers who did um, Tangerine and the Florida Project. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a yeah, really cool discussion with him. I recommend watching only like 20 minutes or something with Herschel Gordon-Lewis. So his first film, some things I gleamed, his first film, Blood Feast, give an idea of what they're doing. It was made for $24,000, and then they said grossed like either four or five million. So talking about, you know, being an independent filmmaker, making on the scene with low budget films certainly did it. And his, and then he had just a really fun ethos. And that's just why I kind of wanted to communicate the rest of it, who Herschel Gordon Lewis was. He said films were easy to make, but hard to distribute. That's kind of where he was coming at. He came at his films, not so much. I mean, it sure is like, 
he of course has a passion for this material. Like it's, it's hard to feel like he's denied. You can deny that when you see the films, but how he talks about it is like, as if he has no interest in the (laughs) material itself, he was really coming at it from that business perspective of, okay, well, in order to be a successful, you know, how do you get something distributed? You make something that no one else can make. So the studios right now, they can't make gore films. Mm. So he just saw that as like, okay, we'll present something you can't make otherwise that people can't see anywhere else. And then that's going to be our winning formula. Interesting. Um, is fun. And then uh, just a little tidbit. Cow pectate is an orally taken medication. Oh, it's for ca- it's caopecte. Yeah, you know it for di- yeah. mild diarrhea. Yeah, that's what they use for like the <laughs> fake blood, primarily. I think for the first films. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Okay, with that color. Um, when asked if uh, they had, he got any kind of response of people who were angry at his films. He told this story of how I think it was like after his first film, he got some organized letter writing response where he got like hundreds of letters or whatever sent to this, you know, kind of unlisted address, like doesn't know how they actually orchestrated it all. But all the letters started out addressing him as you reckless man or you <laughs> reckless men who made this film and reckless, <laughs> reckless misspelled with a W at the beginning. Just like, <laughs> what? Like, okay. okay. He's doing this. Trying to be um, fancy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, to his response to anyone who would say like, how dare you make this film would is just, he says straight up because if someone shows it, then someone will go to see it. And that's just how it works. Right. <laughs> like people will watch it. So I make it. And then that's what movies are. You don't need to complicate it beyond yeah. that. That's um, funny. he said is more of his ethos. He says, ego has to be shot down, stabbed and poisoned and flushed before any of this stuff can be made a deliberate attempt to make a movie. People would go and see, um, that's yeah. That's all it was. Success. Yeah. He views his success as a total adherence to what, the audience wants to see in here. He's not even thinking of it in those terms of like, I guess, however he thinks of, uh, um, another, you know, another filmmaker putting on their vision. He's, Mm -hmm. but then it's, I, what's so fascinating is I think there's ironic and stuff because he clearly has this unique vision, whether he likes it or not in executing something that he says is specifically just for the audience, you know? Yeah. In, by doing that, he's going to be injecting, how he views him, you know, his audience perspective. You know? Right, right. <laughs> um, That's cool. When asked how how did you know people would want to see these films, he put it as, "Well, we live in a semi civilized society. <laughs> That's why." <laughs> yeah, thinking of uh, Roman coliseums. <laughs> right. He said also the quote, "I'm living proof that if you live long enough, you become legitimate." <laughs> Meaning like. <laughs> later in life that's funny the retrospective on his films and then last quote i have from him if which is this this is like something i just wanted to put on my wall as far as like a filmmaking ethos for myself i just something identify with i love so much if people think they've seen it before they lose their interest in it yeah straight up love that I like the, um, you know, I'm now I'm more curious about him and, and this, the blood trilogy being, this is the middle of the three blood feast, then this one, then color me blood red. Um, so I think I may 
do a little little investigating on those other two, see how they stack up. Yeah, they're on the Criterion channel too, so cool. Check them out. Um, I don't really have anything else, uh, except that he um. Where did I see this? Damn it. Hang on a second. So her, what's his name? Herschel. Gordon Lewis. Gordon Lewis. Um, here's a fun little tidbit. In this film, he sings the title song. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, uh, I was supposed to, uh, I, you, you reminded me I was supposed to mention that. Uh, my mm-hmm. friend Nick, who recommended the film, he said, yeah, he said to mention that. Yeah. And then two other things just for my own personal edification. He said, the... wrote and, and maybe performed the theme. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it says on his Wikipedia, it says that he he sang the title song. So Amazing. Um, so just for anybody out there who likes cars like I like cars, the, uh, the convertible, well, they're both convertibles, but the white convertible that the four uh, people from Illinois are driving is a 63 Ford Galaxy 500, which is a pretty cool car. It had such a long trunk that they like people would refer to it as the five body trunk because <laughs> it's the, it's the it's the trunk that you 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 know mobsters throw bodies in the back of, I guess. Um, and then the other one, the red one, the really what I think is a really beautiful car is a Mercury <clears throat> Monterey. It's a 64. That car is fucking sweet. <laughs> Woo! Always with the, the the car tidbits from Tim. Mm. Mm. I do. I actually did recognize because of American Graffiti the one that um, the, the the townsfolk are like all in at the end, oh, which the, is like <laughs> yeah, it's a little which, hot rod. Yeah, yeah, those hot rods car. That's a note from American Graffiti. Yeah, a piss a, yellow deuce coupe. Bob yeah, this Valsas. one is a, a that one is a '36 Chevy Master, which is I'm obviously modified and whatever, but like that's the original car. It's pretty sweet. That's the kind of thing you would see in like Bonnie and Clyde, you know? Yeah. But Stuck they, in their you know, time. Hot rotted out. It's cool. The the ghosts were busy making their custom cars. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, man. What else? That's it. We did it. Great. I think that's it for 2000 Maniacs. Yeah, let's Now, would you on. would you say that this is our first Technically, our first actual Grindhouse film, or have we done something else that would fall in that category? Grindhouse? Yeah, you know the term Grindhouse? Yeah, I'm just trying to... Th- I just I just don't... I'm not good with, like, kind of how encompassing, like, labels I'm not either. Are. That's sort of why I ask. <laughs> I, no, I mean... I bet we've seen other Grindhouse movies, probably. I mean, I or thought, like, that, that first that. first David Cronenberg one was, like... Oh, yeah, I sure. don't know. I thought, like... maybe. I thought like uh like Psycho Three was in its own way like mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know yeah my def my my definitions are pretty pretty loose like right. even Shivers was the Cronenberg one yeah hmm because we haven't really seen much from the sixties no you know? that's true Psycho uh... we have one other yeah it wouldn't count but um from sixty four Oni Baba. Oh, right. And then also 65, oh. Planet of the Vampires. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Planet, but, that, but that's not a Grindhouse film at all. Same with, yeah, Quiet on 65. I think this kind of technically is the only, you know, the only one that really falls into that category, like quintessentially at least. Well, you got to update cool. our um, 
you gotta uh i know we just updated our hat but tim i had that last minute hat bunch edition have mm. you added that yet because that has a lot of older ones yeah did you yep okay great great so our hat's all updated now uh-huh. awesome it. hell yeah um, dude hell yeah great well then let's i want to i want to hope that we get one of those when we pull but in order to move on to pulling we got to do our recommendations <sighs> good yeah we sure do <laughs> does that mean that you want me to go first <laughs> yeah all right i'm going to recommend you can find it on youtube i've been having fun with our very own our very own tim aslin our host tim aslin has a, his quarantine closet covers oh, and yeah. now now tim here that was him <laughs> talking just now you've heard him this whole time he's an accomplished singer songwriter guitarist maven and um he's been t- he took a big batch of requests of songs that people wanted to hear him do and he's slowly he's doing them one by one singing singing the harmonies singing his heart out and he just made it made it to my request Tennessee Jed the the dead song I loved it he killed it you, what was it, the Led Zeppelin one that you did uh that is uh, Gallows Pole yeah that was awesome he was totally you know <laughs> yeah just rocking it as good of a robert plan as i can get so you can find that on tim's youtube you look up tim aslin and uh his, you'll see his quarantine closet covers that's there's my recommendation cool thanks dude um god i don't know man i i'm sort of in that weird space of just like floating around and like watching random things for like a few minutes and then giving up and like staring at the ceiling because I'm trapped in my apartment. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I tried watching, well, I watched it. I watched Birds of Prey, which is, a, uh, I guess, a sequel to one of the worst superhero movies ever, um, Suicide Squad. I saw Birds of Prey, believe it or not. It's not good, so I can't really recommend Dead That. Um... I don't know, man. I watched Joker and I wasn't in love with it, like I said. Um, I just don't know. I don't know. A song or a dish or a TV show? <laughs> um, a dish. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a precedent you set. I know. It really was. Um, I got No, I ordered takeout the other day. It, gave, it made me sick. So, <laughs> so not that one. Not that. Jesus. Um, I don't even know. Like, what the f- what the fuck have I? One consumed? of your favorite. One of your favorite all time things, just from oh. whenever in your life. Wait, did I did I recommend Dead? Um, oh, what's his name? Charles. Charles Cornell. No. Oh, <laughs> this guy is. Amazing. Let me make sure that that's that's. I'm pretty sure that's right. Charles Cornell. Okay. Yeah. This is <laughs> what I found that I've been doing a lot is like, you know, the day will go by and I'll get whatever I get done. But there's also a lot of just you're just there. You're in your apartment and whatever. It's weird. And 
before I go to bed often, I will just still be wired. Like I'm just awake. And I think it's probably because you're not like exerting energy in the same way that you normally do. So you just like, I'm just still awake. I'm not like tired from the day. And so I'll watch some YouTube videos and this guy I had come across, I don't know, a year ago or six months ago or something like that. And saw like two videos that were really funny. But what he he's an extremely talented uh, jazz and well, I just pianist. I think he's primarily was a jazz guy, and he started making these videos where he orchestrates around a funny meme like video. So he's kind of he blew up, I think, initially because he was <laughs> doing it to Cardi B videos, and it is it is hilarious what he does and I've just now he's he's got like a channel and he's got a a ton of videos and half of the videos are sort of this thing like playing along to these memes and like orchestrating music to them but the other half is him actually really kind of diving into the music uh the music theory aspects of certain things that are out there in the world um, and, and I think that stuff is fascinating to me because like I, you know, as a musician, like I'm not a huge, like I didn't go to a music school or anything. So like my knowledge of music theory is, you know, it exists, but it's fairly limited. And so to like, listen to this guy kind of explain like why, you know, the themes from Star Wars, Star Wars are so evocative or like listen to him talk about like the greatest version of the national anthem ever ever performed you know stuff like that and he'll go deep into why from a musicality standpoint um that shit's all super fascinating to me so i i love it and it's funny as hell so check him out charles cornell on youtube great so two youtube recommendations that's right this week (laughs) and tim can you pull next week's episode since you're with the hat for you I'm not going to look and I'm just going to hold it up to the to the camera here. Okay. Can you see that? Hang on. We have oh submitted by a Reddit user. You're pulling all the the really long ones, the long pieces of paper, huh? They're, they're the ones that my hand finds first, I guess. Cherry Falls submitted by user Horrorosphere on uh, oh, Reddit. Oh, cool. Nice. Horror sphere. Sweet. <laughs> All right. Cool. <laughs> so we'll be back next week. I've not seen it. Do not know what it's about. No, uh, not at all. Cherry. I don't like the word cherry. I don't like that <laughs> name. <laughs> I have a weird berry yeah. aversion where it just like berry, cherry. Interesting. It's like I know some people who hate the word slacks. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Funny. Seems fine um, to me. But until then, you can <laughs> find us at dismemberinghorror.com and you can Gmail us. Oh, Dis- yeah, you should Gmail us. Dismemberinghorror at gmail.com. We have an Instagram at dismemberinghorror, a Twitter at horrorpod. No, at dishorrorpod, believe it or not. And our big ask, if you enjoyed this, is to let a friend know. Yeah. Let them know. 2000 Maniacs. We did it.
Cool. All right. I think that's it, Tim. So just wanted to say in closing, thank you everyone for listening. And we will see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeehaw. <laughs> <laughs>